Hello again, folks, and welcome to My Life is a Montage. My name is Ian Shaker, uh, and we're playing Opposite Day here for our sixth episode because I'm sure you guys are sick of hearing about my life so far. So uh, I'm here once again with Keith Campbell, and we are going to spend some time uh, learning about a song that is uh, in a, a, a part of Keith's montage. So Keith, without further ado, uh, and actually, this is Oscar night. So, what is the winning song of the night uh, for you, Keith? <laughs> I, you you've got me. I'm not an Oscar guy. Oh well, I meant winning song in your montage. Yeah. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> this is what happens when I host and you're the song. <laughs> fair, fair enough. Uh, so yeah, we're switching it up a little bit. The song is Jesus, etc. by Wilco. Yes, Jesus, etc. Two uh, two thousand two song. Um, often, uh, often thought of, and I'll start here. I, I, I don't know if the, I don't know if this has anything to do with where this fits into your life, but I will, uh, talk in, I will talk about what is most often talked about when it comes to this song. And, uh, a lot of people, uh, connect this song to 9-11. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even though it was written before 9-11 came out after 9-11, right. I think that, you know, I think that with the, uh, if you look at the lyrics, the talk of skyscrapers and, uh, last cigarettes and things like that, yeah. I think that's where a lot of that comes from. Uh, let's start, take a step back though. And look at Wilco, uh, Wilco, a, a band that I will admit I was not a huge fan of, uh, for a long time, but, it's one of those bands that uh, many, many friends love, and so I've always had a respect for them. Uh, they are a band that came out of uh, an earlier band, a 90s band called Uncle Tupelo, uh, and were helmed by Jeff Tweedy, uh, who you may have heard from many other side projects as well. Uh, and, and he's really the, while not the only voice, uh, while not the only voice and writer, was definitely the the kind of driving force behind, uh, behind Wilco, uh, in their late nineties, early two thousands. Uh, the song itself ca- came from what I believe and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, is, is Wilco's most, uh, well-known album, Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. I would uh, agree with that. Yeah. And often it's most, uh, which often shows up in a lot of, uh, lists from that, from that era of Rolling Stone stuff like that. But it's funny, as I was doing the research on this song, uh, I was looking at Pitchfork's review of the album itself. And uh, the reviewer for Pitchfork, who was it again? Brett Serrata. I have no idea who that guy is. But he essentially says that this is the first uh, album that even comes close to anything of Uncle Tupelo's. Uh, and mm. it's actually and is actually a little tough on on both the album and the and the songs therein. So it's kind of interesting how the uh, how the album and how the song have both hit a chord with people uh, with fans and and uh, kind of stood the test of time and, and grown probably even bigger than they were at the time. Yeah, it's funny you mention that because when Uncle Tupelo first broke up, there was kind of a bit of a combination of an like an oasis blur thing and uh uh sean michaels Morty genetti thing with uh with them and sunvolt i think a lot of people originally went with sunvolt as the kind of the more closest to uncle tupelo most delivering on the promise um where wilco kind of took a while to get their feet 
and you you really have to look at their their second record being there and then they kind of they popped it up a little bit for summer teeth which is an outstanding record but we're not talking about um i've actually gotten for another night i've gotten some people into wilco by giving them a copy of summer teeth Mm -hmm. um and then obviously I think with Yankee, they really took that step up and people were talking about Jeff Tweedy in the same kind of air as Tom York as far as like premier, somewhat experimental songwriters went. Even though much of what works on Yankee is down to uh, the guy that gets kicked out of the band during the making of uh, of the album, uh, Jay Bennett. Um, the way I came to Wilco, weirdly enough, and I kind of came to them and didn't come to them. Uh, so um, I lived with my, you know, my paternal uh, grandmother lived with my family, like for the first 19 years of my life. And this is kind of her fault because <laughs> she was the one that kept getting the Columbia house uh, subscriptions. Um, and um, how many, how, I, I have to cut in and ask how many times did you get either eight or 12 CDs for a penny Oh, and then, and then I, basically I, not buy anything else. I cannot even begin to tell you, but it's also through that, that I kind of, so my favorite blur album is my modern life is rubbish because Columbia house had that and not the self-titled. Yep. yep. Um, so that kind of sat, so kind of getting albums like that, where it was like, well, this is the one that Columbia house has of the ones that, of the people that have the, the single out. Um, kind of it kind of led to me being a bit of a completist uh in my younger years and kind of being the one that looks at like the deep album tracks as opposed to the singles and wilco is a perfect band for that because you know they don't you know we've been talking a lot about like chart position uh with the previous five episodes and there's not really an analog there for Wilco. There's not a big, huge hit. I mean, like even on Yankee, you know, Jesus, etc., is maybe like the sixth or seventh song that you would recognize if you're, you know, if, if you know anything about the album, I think, you know, war on war, ashes of American flags, um, maybe heavy metal drummer, are kind of the ones that, that really stick out to you. But I say that to loop all the way around. Um, yeah, that same grandmother was also, you know, was a big a publisher's clearinghouse head and kept, you know, filling out that. Uh, and somehow I got a couple of copies of this, like Warner Music Group magazine called H-U-H. And it came with like a sampler CD. And... Yeah, I think like the fourth issue or something, there was a song off of Wilco's first record, AM. And yeah. Yeah. So from there I knew, okay, there's this band to check out. And I maybe listened to that song like once or twice, because it wasn't one of the heavier tracks on on the the huh sampler. So yeah, I knew to check on them. I think I remember seeing like when Being There came out, like on 120 minutes, the video that they made for Out of Sight, Out of Mind, which mm-hmm. was the the closest thing to that point, the closest thing to any point really that they've had to having a single. Um, and so, yeah, when when Yankee came out, I was 
I was also doing a day side show at the college radio station. And so there it was in the heavy rotation rack and I got to play around with it a little bit. Yeah. Heavy metal drummer is actually the song that I know best from that album. Mm. Uh, and oddly I heard it again for the first time in years, like two days ago on lithium on Sirius XM, they were okay. playing it. You know, they say it's rock from the nineties, even though the song came out in 2002, you know, they play fast and loose with time right. on that, uh, on those stations. Um, I think one of the, you mentioned kind of the, uh, era that they come out they're a chicago band so being alt country from that space was also uh or what's called alt country right it's also a little odd uh and, and so i think that they end up being a little local always ended up seeming a little anachronistic to me mm. and get got looped in with bands that were not necessarily analogs for them uh yeah like friends of mine always would put them in with the pavements and the morphines and, and other bands like that. Mm. And to me, they never really, they never really fit that kind of either jam band or kind of uh, odd eclectic band. You know, I, I, and so I, maybe that's why I was never a huge fan because I never knew where to kind of place them in my, in my mm. CD folder, by the way, I, I can definitely cut, see that. No, uh, go ahead. Uh, I I do want to clarify if you are under the age of 40 and you're listening to this podcast, Columbia house and it's brother <laughs> and it's brother BMG used to send you things in the mail that would say, Hey, get 12 CDs or eight CDs or previously they were cassettes for one penny. And then you just had to buy six more over the next year at like exorbitant prices. Uh, mm -hmm. to be able to fulfill your membership. And honestly, I don't know that I ever actually purchased the six ever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so there we <laughs> that's, go. That's Sorry. exactly <laughs> right. Now, well, you know what? Columbia House fil fulfilled my grandmother's need to get uh, new tapes of Michael Crawford, Michael Feinstein, and all like the like early that's 80s, awesome. late 70s, like crooners that weren't quite Perry Como that like, so she'd sit, sit out there and like garden or read and like just blast her like, little cassette player with like these golden voices of, of yesteryear. And I'd get the fringe benefits of, Hey, I'd get like two or three of the free CDs. Nice. I like it. I like yeah. it. Anyway, sorry. Sorry to take that. But no, no, like not at needed, all. We needed a Gen Z explainer. Yes. Um, yes. Go, going other... back to what you had mentioned though, oh. about um, your friends that, lump them in with pavement and morphine. I don't know that I would see this, the sonic. Right. Analog until like summer teeth, I think. Mm -hmm. I think once you get to that and they start playing around with throwing in little buzzes and hisses and clicks, mm -hmm. then, okay. I see it as, you know, these are people that are interested in stuff that's, um, a little anachronistic, a little bit experimental. And maybe that's where the, the earlier Wilco might feed into, you know, morphine and pavement don't sound like anything on the radio. They don't no. sound like anything else in anybody's um, CD collect or, or playlists yeah. or CD collections yeah. or whatever. And as a side, yeah, I would implore everybody to go out and listen to every bit of morphine you possibly can right now, today. It will change your life, I promise you. Um, 
that's that little bit of evangelism out of the way. Um, and that, that oh was another benefit of Columbia House was getting morphine CDs. So not to not to be too on the nose with the segue. Right. I think one other thing I want to cover in terms of research for this song and research for the for the band uh, before we get to your before we get to where this song fits in your montage is you know obviously with a title like Jesus etc. Uh, there is this certain religious, uh, at least connection, if not, if, if not a downright overtone in the song. And it, it's not this song, unlike some of the others that, uh, Jeff Tweedy and his side in his side projects and Wilco, uh, have put out. Um, there is a certain spirituality that's always, that has kind of permeated through his, uh, through his writing and his, mm. and his music, including in, in the song, uh, there was a, uh, I found an article where <laughs> where Jeff Tweedy actually did an interview with the Christian pop culture magazine Relevant in Ooh. 2009, uh, where he basically says, you know, I can't remember a time where spiritual spirituality wasn't something I thought about. Um, he says that he's not. He said that he was never really strictly aligning with any one denomination. Uh, but anyone, but as the article pointed out, anyone who knows his songs with Wilco or out them have long dealt in, you know, at least religious, otherworldly matters in, in various forms. And so it's, uh, mm. it was kind of an interesting point that, that got brought up in that. And so uh, I'm interested in your thought about that overall. Yeah. I mean, I'm, th- I'm thinking immediately of the song that comes to mind for that one is um, on and on and on, which closes mm-hmm. sky blue sky. And my goodness, if you want to get punched in the chest, go listen to that song. Um, but it's, it's, there's very, it's very much of, um, you know, I mean, the, the big line that, that I go back to, you know, please don't cry or designed to die. I mean, yeah, definitely. It's, it's a heavy, heavy, heavy song. Um, and it's, it's one of those like about like enduring love and, and that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, yeah, I definitely, well, yeah, I definitely hear that in, in their work in, their work definitely with Wilco. I'm not as, as I said, I used to be a completist, not so much anymore. Um, I, I could not tell you a single song that Tweety's done outside of Wilco or Uncle Tupelo. <laughs> That's okay. We'll forgive you because I mean, there are than, so many bands that, yeah, the side yeah. projects on side projects on yeah. side projects these days are just. Oh, great. I think that that also ties in with some of the projects that they did. Um, recording all those Woody Guthrie songs with Billy Bragg. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I think that was there, a lot. Yeah. There, there's definitely a connection, at least, you know, Woody Guthrie is not really thought of as a spiritual singer, but there's a big element of like universal brotherhood and being kind to your fellow man that I think fits in with Tweety's spirituality. And really, I, th- I think you can, you'd hear some of that, uh, definitely in Jesus, etc., and other like songs where he talks about, you know, more like personal relationships and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So that was actually the last thing I wanted to talk about before we got to your montage was uh, that one of the most interesting things, and I actually know these records in some ways better than I know Wilco's mm. own records is, uh, and that's because I was more of an Anglophile at that, uh, in the late nineties, early two thousands. So. I was I came at it from the Billy Bragg point of view, right? Uh, where Wilco did five full albums, uh, partnering with Billy Bragg, and uh, they're they're I mean 
they're interesting. They're, you know, some better than others, some parts of them better than others, but yeah, definitely, definitely worth a listen. I mean, for the most part there, cause these aren't like, they didn't cover this land is your land. They covered like right. all the songs that Woody Guthrie had stashed in the back of his desk somewhere when he passed away. And so it's like, well, here's this treasure trove of Woody Guthrie songs. And it's the kind, it's the kind of question of, did we hear all the good ones? <laughs> and I, I think, you know, Wilco and Billy Bragg definitely answered that, that was no, but you know, there's, as you said, there's wiggle room in that, you know, we definitely yeah. know the best songs that we got three had already. As a side note, I wonder that I'm asking myself the same question right now about the uh, new Prince album that is coming out in the next few weeks where his estate says it's been sitting on the shelf waiting. That's what I was thinking of. I did not want to step on that particular hornet's nest. <laughs> <laughs> All I know is no matter what, Anything, no matter what comes out of with that album, uh, Prince is still a god, and he beat the shit out of Eddie Murphy and his entourage in basketball, <laughs> and made everyone waffles the next morning. So, yes. there we go. So uh, on that uh, on that non sequitur, um, let's <clears throat> let's jump into it, Keith. Where does the song Jesus, etc., fit into your uh, life as a montage? So this was if not the first, the most enduring song that became a lullaby for my oldest child. Hmm. So back in 2014, uh, September of, you know, it's my first night as a new dad. And, you know, it wasn't the easiest of days to get him there. Uh, we'll, We'll definitely say that. And I remember sitting there in the dark of the hospital room, um, you know, trying to trying to give my wife some rest from what she had just had to go through to to get him out into the world. And my my oldest took a little bit to get soothed, uh, shall we say? Um, and I was sitting there, and I don't know why I had hadn't thought beforehand to nail down my lullaby routine. Uh, but I'm sitting there and I'm like, I need a song that I can, that I can sing at a low volume. So I don't wake anybody up mm-hmm. that doesn't go too high into the upper register. So my voice doesn't crack and I can still sing the song, carry the tune. I don't know why I didn't go to like a hush little baby or something like that. I don't think Jesus Etc. was the first one I went to. I think the first one I went to was Side with the Seeds from Sky Blue Sky. I don't, and I don't know why it was Wilco that I went to, but at, once I went to Side with the Seeds, I went, oh, wait, there's that one that starts, Jesus, don't cry. That's exactly what I need right now. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, That's so I'm, awesome. I'm sitting there, and like I said, it's probably it was probably the most enduring lullaby that I had for him. I ended up with about like a 20 minute set list when it came to, to bedtime. Um, in the every meantime, dad, by, every dad needs to. Yeah. In the meantime, by space hogs, really good for that. Um, <laughs> Thunder road was, was a hit mm-hmm. of, of bedtime. Again, that's a long song that you can drag out. Yep. You can sing it yep. quiet if you want to. Um, but I, I was, I was reminded of it. Weirdly enough, um, 
think the night before we recorded our last episode, I was just like at night going through like old pictures and videos. And I came across a video from when he was two and I was walking him to school, I guess it was like, you know, like a June morning where I recorded the video and like, you just hear this little voice, tall buildings shake, voices escape, singing a sad, sad song. And I'm like, oh, I know like it has been because, you know, now he's, as I said, 2014 was when he was born. Yeah. Um, that's not part of the bedtime routine anymore. Um, but it made it there for at least two and a half years. And mm-hmm. I, I want to think that somewhere down the line, you know, he's going to hear that song and it's going to trigger a really warm feeling in him. And, you know, for me, like, if I think back, of course, that's the song that I went to because the first two lines, Jesus, don't yep. cry. You can rely on me, honey. That's everything that you want to, to give your kid. That is awesome Keith that is amazing and I I think it's extra fun and awesome that you brought that up tonight on a night where uh all uh all transparency to our you know eight listeners or whatever it is but both Keith and I had trouble putting our six-year-olds down for bed tonight so (laughs) (laughs) so yeah because my daughter was born November 2014 yeah. Um, so I'll I'll just take thirty seconds and give you uh, my my oldest, my son. Uh, his was "Help" by the Beatles. <laughs> That's yeah. a good one. Uh, yeah. Uh, my daughter, who is now eighteen, hers was actually "Boys Don't Cry" by the Cure. Okay. That was the one. That was the one that stuck the longest. And uh, the one for Ginger was for quite a long time. I'll follow you into the dark <laughs> by Death Cab for Cutie. Okay. Um, but, uh, but I think the one that she will just occasionally sing along with, it, even to this day, is Tender by Blur. Okay. And because, again, it's Shame. in the right register. My yeah. oldest will sing along with that one too if it, if yeah. it comes on. Um, yeah. yeah the, although that that wasn't the highlight of what he has sung on the way to the Metro train or um, school when he was that age. So um, I remember one morning, the the daycare that we had in our, it was a, it was a Christian school. It was a good value for money and they weren't too preachy when it came to the daycare. And so I remember I say that just to end up backing that up with him going from singing, um, Jesus loves the little children to Iron Man by Black Sabbath. Oh yeah. Yeah. We, uh, Ginger now can sing every word to, well, we've already talked about that. Ginger can sing every word to heartbreak down. Uh, so, or, uh, I I'm totally with you on that stuff. So yeah. no, that's an awesome one, Keith. Thank you. I, I appreciate you sharing that. And you know, I think that's a lot of fun. Uh, and that's a good, I think that's a good place to, to end our montage for the evening. Uh, hope you all have a wonderful time trying to get your kids. If you have them to bed could, and make sure you've got that set list. Cause that shit takes a while. All right. Uh, I'm, I'm Ian. That's Keith. Uh, we'll see you next time. And I don't remember your closeout line. May all your montages play to sunlight. <laughs> there you go. Thanks a lot, folks. 
Thank you for listening to My Life as a Montage. I've been Keith Campbell, joined by Ian Shaker here. Our intro and interstitial music has been Funny Animals by Crow Ender. It was found on freenewsdarkeye.org and is being used under Creative Commons. Thank you very much, and we'll see you next time.